welcome to another edition of Mr. Nice Guy. I'm Ben Slowey coming at you this evening um, in a really hot uh, and sweaty room. Uh, it has got really hot today, but we're going to push through it. I've got joining me uh, a buddy of mine, um, one of my favorites. Uh, he is a he is um, the front man and lead guitarist of the uh, indie pop band Deep State Park. Uh, he plays guitar in the band Cream Vellum. Uh, he is uh, a real show guy. He loves going to shows. And uh, um, yeah, I've just, uh, every time I've seen him and hung out with him, he's, it's always been a really fun and, and uh, joyous time. So I'm excited to get to know him better and his artistry and why he does what he does. Hans Jaeger, thank you for joining me. Oh, it's a pleasure to be here, Ben. Thank you for inviting me. You're welcome. Uh, how are you doing over there? I'm doing pretty good. Um, drinking some tea. Relaxing in the big circle chair. <laughs> yeah, um, it looks, looks like a comfy chair. Yeah, it is. Um, it's very good for curling up for naps or just like playing guitar or whatnot. It's pretty nice. Um, oh, yeah. it's it's pretty cool where I'm at. So uh, the heat isn't an issue. Yeah, it's just you know these uh these Milwaukee units you know, aren't built with central air. So I do have an AC unit right next to me, but it's too loud. I wouldn't be able to hear you if I kept it on, you know? Oh, yeah. I know what you're talking about. Um, yeah. Uh, so, yeah, what are you sipping on there? So you got some tea, I see. I do, indeed. I decided to mix it up today, as in I am actually having two different kinds of tea blended together. Um, the first is oolong, and yeah, I like that one. It's very like black tea, kind of energetic. Yeah. But then I mixed it with licorice root tea, that also has some peppermint in it, and it blends together kind of nice. Good for it long sounds, health. It sounds really good. Uh, where do you like to uh get your tea from? Oh, that's a good one. Um. It varies, actually. Uh, sometimes I'll uh, go to like a store like Good Harvest in Pewaukee is always a good bet for uh, tea. Mm. And it's usually all organic, so that's an extra plus for that. Another one is a Brookfield tea shop um, called Fava Tea Company where they just like sell it loose leaf and they allow you to like sample it in the store. It, it's pretty nice, but Rochambeau is a classic. Always a classic. <laughs> Can't go wrong with Rochambeau. Right. But, yeah. Um, yeah. I'm not like a big tea guy. Like I, I'm just like a devoted coffee drinker. Um, excuse me. Um, like I just guzzle coffee throughout the day, um, a, a, a habit I acquired from my father. Um, but I should get into more tea because, like, sometimes, like, it just you hit that time of day where a cup of coffee just it doesn't sound uh, it just doesn't sound appealing at all. Like around like the six p.m. point, you know, like you need a if you want maybe like just a little bit of like 
very subtle energy that also soothes you. Got to drink the tea. So I, I should I should pick up some more tea for sure. Oh, yeah, definitely. I, too, enjoy the coffee. I must have at least two cups before I actually leave the house in the morning. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm the same way. I, same exact thing, yeah. Um, yeah, I have uh, a, a collection of mugs that I'm very proud of. <laughs> right on, right on. Which mm. one's your favorite? Uh, well, my, so my girlfriend, um, she's, it was a very thoughtful gift. Uh, she got me a new mug. Um, she was back in Texas for a couple weeks. Um, and she, when she returned, uh, she brought me this mug that's like the body of a, it's like a dog mug, like where the mug is, a, a, is its body. And then like, there's the head on the side is like one of the handles. And then the other handle is like the tail um and then inside the mug it says i rough you oh that's adorable <laughs> i know it's the cutest thing ever oh <laughs> yeah. uh, do you drink from it every day i know i would i was for the last week um i <laughs> i um i usually like once i pick i'll pick like a mug for the week that i'll drink with like every day but after a while, it just gets so stained that I have to pick another one. So I just, today was the last day. It's going in the wash. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's probably a good thing. Yeah. Well, uh, we could talk coffee and tea all day. But Hans, <laughs> what we talk about, I'm Mr. Nice Guy. We talk love and fear, passion and creativity. First time we met was, I'll never forget this. Um, it was at the Cream Bellamy P Relief Show last year at tie dive and um i like i knew of you um because like i had just kind of started listening to some local music i had heard of cream vellum and i worked with ryan sablay at the roast um and he was like yeah i just like joined this band and they're recording an ep and i have to learn all my parts real quick and like yeah, it's all happening so fast. And you like mentioned this guy, Hans, you know, and Elise and uh, Tyler, like, you know, shout out to all of them. Um, but uh, we met that night at the actual show. And I instantly like, I remember I liked you instantly because um, you had mentioned you were in a band called Peacebone, which is actually the song that got me to fall in love with Animal Collective. So I was like, wow, this guy, uh, he's, he's, I, I feel like I relate to him so much already. Um, and, uh, you know, so really loved that experience that night, that show. Um, and then I would just start seeing you at like shows every weekend. Oh yeah. Definitely. And about Ryan, too, he really did a good job of that, <laughs> learning everything and laying it down. Very creative base work and very yeah. stellar human being. Yeah. One. And, yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Like, once we met, then we just started, like, seeing each other everywhere. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah, it's yeah, Bremen. It didn't matter. Bremen, Company Rowing, the public house, Hans is everywhere. <laughs> um, <laughs> but yeah, speaking of Ryan, uh, I want to give him a special shout out too because he is um, working on his solo EP right now. Um, and I'm looking forward to hearing what he's working on. He's recording with Wire and Vice. Um, so, yeah, very big shout out to Ryan. But, yeah, um, yeah, I feel like it, it – I mean, it, I would kind of just see you casually, but then, like, eventually we would just sort of, like, be drinking at the bar and, like, actually, like, getting to know each other and, like, find out you're from Waukesha – you know, you listen to a lot of the music that I liked, um, just that you watch a lot of movies that honestly, like you do, you, your hobbies, I, I, I like a lot of, we like a lot of the same things. And like, that's just what's always made it so like, you know, um, intriguing, like getting to know you. So Hans, I want to first hear from you. I want to like, we can get to the present and everything, excuse me, but uh, I want to hear a little bit about your own background with music. Uh, when did you start playing? When did it start becoming like a creative outlet for yourself? Oh, all right. Um, so if I had to say that there was a definite start point, it would be when I was born. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I definitely did listen to almost exclusively classical music for my entire childhood up until maybe like middle school. Um, my dad was always really into the Grateful Dead and Fish. Um, and later I got him into some stuff too. And I also like started getting into what he was into. And it's always been like a musical exchange between me and him. Um, you know, my parents have always been very, like, supportive of the arts, being artists themselves. Uh, neither of them musicians, but um, in different, like, medium. Like, my dad's a potter, and my mom's a professional illustrator. Mm. And, um, yeah, she uh, works for a publishing company that covers, like, some pretty big names, and she contributes work to that. So... She, before music was really my main focus, um, it was visual art because my mom being an artist was pretty quick to put a pen in my hand and uh, I could draw before I could walk. And um, wow. I just kind of like figured out perspective and, and all these things that they teach in art school, like just naively as a kid. And, um, yeah, so I always had that, like, imagination where what I was experiencing, like, outside wasn't entirely, like, my experience because most of it was mental. And um, as soon as I got exposed to music, and listening like my parents when talking me in as a small child would always put on this one tape or like a number of tapes um that would play and i'd fall asleep listening to music and uh i would wake up like hum melodies throughout the day like they just come and um uh, i would hum 
And then I figured out that humming doesn't cover all these textures. So there was grunting and percussion and, uh, you know, all sorts of things. And I started like composing my own sort of music just passively during the day. Yeah. And it wasn't until kindergarten that I had that eureka moment where it was just like, yeah, that's it. That's it. This is what I want to do. And so I was in kindergarten and I met this girl um, who quickly became like a sister to me. Like we were joined at the hip. And uh, she had this leapfrog electronic like book thing. Like, I don't know if you remember leapfrog where it's all electronic, has a stylus pen and uh, you would like tap things to find out about it. And it came yeah. with these books. Yeah. Yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah. She had one about classical music. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I had heard Beethoven, Bach, like Mozart, the classics, like, Hayden like who hasn't heard Brahms really but the one that really got me was Gustav Holst Mm. and his planets symphony and as soon as I started like um checking that out on the leapfrog thing I realized that you know you could sample each of the planets and it would play like a little bit of the movement from the symphony but it wasn't the entire song it was like the 30 second preview that you get from like paid soundcloud kind of things you know so pretty much at that point i was like begging my parents like give me holst give me holst i want (laughs) to listen to the whole thing and then eventually i did get my hands on uh multiple versions actually like one from the earlier 20th century which was my favorite because holst himself uh was an early 20th century composer um who i think he wrote it like during the 20s or 30s um but there was like a recording from like the early 50s that i really dug and then there was like modern reproductions of it and whatnot i would listen to all the different versions like some deadheads do with live performance (laughs) of the Grateful Dead with the bootleg tapes. I would do this for the symphony and it would always be the same symphony like over and over again. It was just so dynamic, diverse and exciting. It, It made me feel something. And the part that probably did it the most was Jupiter um with its great ups and downs like it starts out as a joyful hopeful optimistic piece and then it turns to more introspective reflective kind of things like almost like that and then just as it gets you into the mood where you're like on the verge of tears like it's very kind of like but think of all that we've lost and and stuff like that and then it just like like a little spark or like a candle lighting in the dark, the strings start back up and it takes the mood and shifts it so radically back into that joyful overture that it was just like, whoa, I want to play the strings. That's what I want to do. (laughs) So I ended up talking my parents into 
getting me violin lessons, so that was my first one, was the violin. And violin. Yeah. Um, they are the kind of parents that, you know, really loved it when I took interest in something, you know, like if I was interested in the arts or pursuing some skill or craft, they would provide the means to me as a child. And I am very grateful for them um, and all they've done for me. So they took me to, to violin. Um, I, I took the, the class, um, actually, it wasn't a class. It was a one-on-one -on -one lesson in the back of Heartland Music. Because I, I actually grew up um, in this little town called Stone Bank. It's halfway between Heartland and Oconomowoc. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah, about 500 people there. It's unincorporated, but that's my guess. Okay. Um, so I, I took lessons at Heartland Music and eventually like the posturing and stuff like this like with the with the bow like you have to posture your fingers a certain way to play it and there's a certain like posture it got very sore and I found myself bending like my fingers all sorts of different ways my hands weren't big enough and I was just like eh, I don't want to practice anymore so <laughs> <laughs> That's eventually what happened. And I regretted it too. Um, I regret it now. And uh, yeah, I wish I would have stuck with that because the bowed strings are great. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I didn't really like start getting into like a prolonged routine until I joined middle school band. I signed up to play what I thought was the bassoon. Um, but I actually signed up for oboe because I thought that the bassoon was called the oboe. <laughs> you know, that's, uh, they are two, like, just sort of peculiar looking woodwinds, so easy to mix up, I suppose. I was a, I was a clarinet player, so I get that. Oh, right on. You know, if it were between oboe and clarinet, I would choose clarinet. Just because that oboe is one of the most difficult instruments to get a decent sound out of. Like, you have to soak this double reed in your mouth for, like, 15 minutes before you even start playing. And then it all has to do with, like, lip tension. Oh, yeah. my goodness. It was so intense. Um, yeah. Uh, so, I tried to stick with the oboe, but I was like, yeah, this isn't what I signed up for. And then I found out what the bassoon was, and I was like, that's what I meant to sign up for the first time. So <laughs> I picked that one up. Um, but what really motivated me to, like, and enabled me to start writing and performing is when eighth grade graduation came across and the music teacher was putting together like this sort of rock band to cover the Beatles, let it be. And me like, that was one of the exceptions for the classical music. Although the only Beatles album I really listened to up until like I had a smartphone was the Yellow Submarine soundtrack. Ah. <laughs> um, so that's like half orchestral. Yeah. Um, 
but they wanted to cover Let It Be, and uh, I always really dug the Beatles, like, I really did, and I still do, um, but, yeah, I wanted to play bass, because I knew they didn't have a bass player, like, one person played left-handed guitar, um, the other person was just, like, singing, um, which, like, you know, if your voice is your main instrument, more power to you, like, if you're able to harness that kind of, like, power to, like, move people with just, like, your vocal inflection and using it, like, as an instrument, and it takes every ounce of your strength, better to just focus on that and let other people play the other instruments, like, the not built-in ones. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. But, yeah, the the... I thought that um, the music teacher would play the piano and I was trying to get into their band and play the bass. So I went out and uh, rented a bass from Heartland Music, the place that it all comes back to at various points throughout <laughs> my life. But um, yeah, I played that a lot and then I went with my family to Summerfest the summer after I graduated, I think. Oh, yeah, and by the way, they didn't let me into the band because uh, I must not have been cool enough, or they thought they, <laughs> you know, I don't know. I was well, just some. Well, kid. they were wrong. They were wrong. They well, thank you for that. <laughs> 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 I mean,. I have been like given these numerous situations where I'm rejected um, and it just motivates me to prove them wrong. Like there's been that point where it's like, oh, you don't think I'm good enough. Like you don't think that I can do this and then I do it, you know, and I do it better than they thought. Yeah, I've, right. I've been basically asked to leave or not play at open mics before because they thought I couldn't sing. And <laughs> so, you know, it was just very like insulting to me and it made me very angry. And then I was like, oh, I can do this. You know, you can't tell me what I can't do. And because I am going to do it. If I want to do it, I'm going to do it. But yeah, so I came back, um, practiced the bass, like playing long to recordings, but there was this one night in particular. And me and my parents lived with my elderly grandmother um, when I was a kid. Um, she was like in her late 80s at this point. And uh, yeah, she was at the point in her life where she liked to watch TV very loudly in the, um, in the living room and couldn't. Um, really like go out with us to like walking excursions like state fair so we went to state fair came back and she was very ill like all gray and i thought she was gonna like leave us that day so as the ambulance came and took her away i locked myself up in um the spare bedroom which later became my studio and uh I just played until I got blisters on my fingers 
and then I broke them and kept playing until new ones formed. And that was just like, with such intensity that, you know, I wasn't really able to use my hands for much else, but um, that was the breakthrough moment for like, yes, I can play this instrument. Um, I did it to mainly like Beatles and Nirvana, like recordings and stuff like that, I think. Pink Floyd was another of my favorites. Um, Pearl Jam. Um, I think the first song I ever learned on the bass was Money by Pink Floyd. Nice. But yeah, eventually like going through high school, it was very depressing um, for me, like growing up in rural like Waukesha County a lot of the other kids I went to school with were rich. Their families were rich. They never like had to work for anything. There were some of them at least. Like th their parents would make them do chores and stuff like that, but they'd still buy them that $250 pair of Nikes every two weeks. Yeah, yeah. That kind of thing. And, uh, you know, in high school, there's that sort of, like, pompous attitude, like, you know everything. Like, you know, if you just think that this person is is less cool, like, you can put your insecurities onto them. Yeah. So, it was like, I was an art kid going to a jock school. And, oh, yeah. Yeah. So... I, I know exactly how I know exactly what like what you mean by that like I was I grew up also in an area that was wealthy but my family was very poor and uh, yeah like I, I and I never played sports growing up really like sports just weren't my the focal point of like my childlike wonder like I just liked to play video games. I liked to be in my imagination the whole time. Like, I, yeah, when it, it and like you said, you know, it, it's, uh, you, you feel very ostracized and bullied because of that. Well, you feel like you constantly have to prove something. Yeah. And, like... Uh, I managed to, like, get some acceptance throughout, like, my elementary school days um, by drawing, like, in class. That's how I'd just take notes. I would always doodle. I would come up with comic books. I would come up with trading card games and get the other students to play along. Mm. And as a result, I was pretty much always in trouble with the teachers for <laughs> some reason. Like, if not, like, due to my disruptions in class um with like entertaining my classmates like it, it was because there were some real like troublemakers in my class but they were difficult for the teachers to handle and I was the next easiest target to go mm -hmm. at so I got some very like unjust punishment in my day but um <laughs> You know, as far as schooling, like, in the, in that, so, like, going into Arrowhead, the, one of the biggest, um, high schools, it was, like, 2,500 other kids, um, throughout two campuses, 
I would see people that I knew from before, but it was just like, all right, you learned how to swim in a kiddie pool. Now here is Lake Michigan. Like that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah right. Anyway, yeah. but the people I knew, like, spoke good. I made new friends. Um, but, yeah, my my romances, my my crushes always ended, ended in, like, heartbreak and you know like them passing me up for the more like popular jock dude and i'm just like oh no like uh. and yeah. that's what awakened the uh song right in me oh, there you go. i actually started like piecing um stuff together like uh the first song i wrote i was probably 15 14 15 um I had like basically fallen in love with this one um girl in my class like of course this is like classic high school kind of like romance thing but um I finally finally <laughs> worked up the nerve to ask her out and I thought I did it in a pretty clever way but I found out she already had a boyfriend and I was just like and, and it was true too it wasn't just like one of those things where like you're creeping me out like I have a boyfriend because yeah. her and I got along really well and um yeah no I was just like nah that's so bad um for me yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah I was I, I had been there too you know I like yeah where it might be legitimate oh she actually does have a boyfriend but also being rejected just because like you're just a weird boy like really hurts it really stung that was my middle school attempts at romance <laughs> oh yeah i i had like gosh i shouldn't like share this kind of stuff in a public place but yeah, I definitely know what you, <laughs> what you mean. Yeah. Um, we're like, it, it just felt like you lacked the courage to really go out on that limb and just yeah. like do it and like tell her how you feel, ask her on a date, like that kind of stuff. And then when you finally do, it's like, oh, I've already been seeing somebody for this long. And it's just like, Oh, okay. Oh, this, like this whole time that. I've been, this whole time I've been plotting to like <laughs> to win you over. Uh, someone else. No, no. Plotting. It was rather just sitting with my feelings and wondering how I should go about dealing with them. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. In a respectable and kind, conscientious way. <laughs> yeah, I actually. Yeah, the other day actually i had a dream um that i had a dream and for some reason like a middle school crush of mine was in my dream and uh, it i mean it was it brought so much memories back and so i just started a dream journal to like write these things down and uh, i i don't know how something like that gets triggered you know but but literally, it made me start thinking about, like, how just naive and, uh, you know, just um, 
much of a nervous wreck I was. You know, you t- I told like literally every single person except for this girl that I had a crush on her. And I never actually talked to her like once until like the last day of summer camp. <laughs> that, that is, yeah, that's so relatable. last day of the quarter like all right it's now or never Hans finish taking the final like on your way out of class you always walk out of class with her you can like you know see how she feels and yeah yeah yeah, but oh my goodness so that's how you became so that's how you um became the songwriter um was from those feelings oh yeah it was from those feelings of rejection and heartbreak and stuff like that because I mean when there's a lot of feelings like that you deal with them in certain ways like people call it coping mechanisms and stuff like that I've never seen music as really like uh like that is its sole purpose in my life as a coping mechanism like no it's never been like that for me um it's embodied a coping mechanism for me at various points where like something will happen and I'll just go into it and just not leave the room until I'm satisfied with what I'm hearing myself make Mm. and yeah so it was that heartbreak um I finally got my first girlfriend um and then she broke up with me um typical of like high school romance um where like it's usually very like short-lived yeah and you think like this person is the one and yeah (laughs) to just like (laughs) yeah (laughs) and and so um that is actually when I got the idea, like, you know what? I am not going to let this, like, kill me, so I gotta make something out of it. Um, so I wrote an entire EP, produced it. Um, I just recorded it on, like, my MacBook with my with help from my friend Austin McCoola, who went to the same high Dude. school as I did. No wonder, I was wondering how you knew Austin Makula. Oh, yeah. I've, I've seen you, um, I've seen him, like, comment on your posts sometimes. Yeah, he, um, he and I, yeah, Austin and I are, yeah, we, we go back. Uh, he's uh, the homewreckers, you know. Um, oh, yeah. We used to throw parties, and he used to DJ those parties, and very uh very he's a character shout out to austin oh yeah yeah. so that's where the home records started that's crazy (laughs) that's great (laughs) dude that's so fun yeah he um actually uh just like caught up with him a little bit last week because we hadn't like talked in like so long but yeah austin i met all these arrowhead kids because of him They all came out to those parties, yeah. Oh, yeah. Good old Arrowhead Kids class of 2014. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, so I um, I wrote, like, five songs. 
design the album cover. Austin helped me record um, like vocals and, and mix stuff, I think. And then I just DIY'd the heck out of it. Um, and around the same time, I was actually hanging with my good pal, uh, Jackson Shepard. I don't know if you've heard of him. I know of him, yeah. Yeah. So Jackson and I um, got really close in high school where, like, he was connected in the music scene um, and introduced me to people like Eli Smith, Elisa Rodriguez, um, oh. Jenna Rodas, um, yeah. like, all these people suddenly were coming into my life and I was exposed to, like, this is where all of the other people that make music are. And you just haven't been there this whole time. So yeah, I started out like getting into DIY shows um, and, and Milwaukee, like the local scene around my junior, I think it was junior or senior year of high school where I was sneaking into bars um, at like 16, 17. Uh, I apologize if anybody was working at those bars and, and hosted shows that I was at because I was definitely underage at the time. I didn't go to drink. I went to go see the music, but... We'll see. You know. That's a respect to you for that because, I mean, I wasn't going to shows when I was that age, but I was drinking. I did drink in high school. So I was doing dumb shit in high school like that, like underage. Yeah. I think almost everybody does, you know, Um, (laughs) you know, almost everybody does one thing that they could like consider being dumb or idiotic in high school, you know, like I'm not saying that, you know like underage drinking is is like idiotic well i can say that it's probably not the best thing for you and you know i i wish i wouldn't have had my first drink in high school like maybe then i would have gotten better grades (laughs) um but um yeah i mean so where was the yeah where were the shows that you were going to at the time um the DIY shows Okay so there was this one venue and I guarantee you that Eli Smith knows what I'm talking about it's called Motel Smith or it was called Motel Smith it was in Franklin <laughs> <laughs> and it was basically in um, Eli's parents' house basement, I think. But they, like, hosted all sorts of shows. I remember, like, with the Honeymooners project, when he um, released that first EP with a song haikus on it. That song has made me cry so many times. And it hasn't lost just, like, this incredibly potent emotionality to it. Um, you know, it is aged very well. Um, mm-hmm. but I remember there was the release show, I think it was Motel Smith. It was packed. I was anxious because it was hot and humid. There were about like 40, 50 people like stuffed into this furnished basement and stuff like that. But like it was all good for the music. Um, and 
and uh, the Borg Ward is another big place. And I miss the Borg Ward so much. There hasn't been anything to compare with it, like, so far, you know. It was kind of run down, not going to lie. Yeah, <laughs> um, right. Yeah. Yeah, but it was, like, the shows there and the experiences there and, like, you know, the scene around it was pretty interesting and diverse. Um, so that's, like, where I got into, like, shoegaze, dream pop. Like, I remember seeing Haunter there once, mm-hmm. like, during high school. And I also remember this one show that the band Surf Curse played. Um, it was just, like, the two of them at the Borg Ward. And I had no idea who they were. And I went and I was like, oh, cool, these guys are all right. And then I really enjoyed the show. I got one of their posters. And then, like, years later, I'm seeing their name <laughs> on, like, big bills. That's, <laughs> that's dope. Like, yeah. <laughs> they came through the board board, like, what? And I saw them? No way. Yeah. Um, that's, like, yeah. kind of like seeing, like, Apollo Vermouth opening for John Mouse. Like, yeah, that was yeah. really awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that that was really great. I was really happy for her um, when I heard of that. Like, I didn't attend that um, that show. Uh, it was because uh, I was going to visit Elise in North Dakota hmm. with our friend Hannah, and we had tickets to see the mini. Shout out, shout out to Hannah Fisher. Ah, uh, yes, shout out to Hannah. Yeah. Um, I miss them. But, I miss them too, yeah. You know, um, yeah, because, um, yeah, you know, I've heard a lot about from interviewing bands and stuff, like a lot of bands played at the Borg Ward. Um, it's like, it's like a fabled place at this point, because this was, you know, before I was even like in Milwaukee. Um, so you, uh, I remember you, um, you mentioned you spent a semester at UWM, right? I did, yeah. Um, where I always found myself getting distracted by music. Um, after I uh, after I released that West Nile Crows EP, like it was called Negative, because I was feeling very negative at the time. But it, people really liked it. Um, it definitely, I'm not sure how much of it was due to, like, the quality of the actual CDs. It was, um, you know, like, burned on or, like, how much it was being played. But people were, like, telling me they were playing it over and over and over again until it just stopped working. And I was just like, oh, this is great to hear. This is exactly what I wanted. You know, you're actually listening to it and I'm like making things that are able to connect with people that listen to it. And that's so important is the connection of it and the bringing together of the different people. Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, I, I was very like, once I had that taste of success, you know, even on a very small level, um it it just ignited something in me that still has not gone away and i don't think it'll ever go away yeah um 
And so I found myself getting distracted um, from my studies by like songwriting and stuff like that. Um, <clears throat> and eventually I was just, it dawned on me, you don't have to go to college. <laughs> and I'm like, why am I doing this when I, I don't even know how to answer the question, what's your major? Yeah. Yeah. It's like, it costs so much money these days that going when you don't know what you want to do, it's a waste of time. Like, there was this band that I saw that really summed it up. Um, they're called Mannequin Pussy. Um, I saw them at the UW-Madison Union, um, not at the Rathskeller, it was like this other venue there. I forget what it was called, but they were opening for um, Japanese Breakfast and Spirit of the Beehive was there too. Those are two great bands, by the way. The Spirit of the Beehive is so fucking good. Shout out to the Spirit of the Beehive. Shout out... Um, <laughs> Zach, uh, Rivka, um, all of y'all in Spirit of the Beehive, shout out to you. Yes. Uh, you make some really good music. Yeah. Um, but Mannequin Pussy was like the singer. She's like this very Riot Girl-esque like, presence on stage where there was this break between songs and um, she took the mic and she was like, how are you doing tonight, Madison? Uh, how many of you in the audience are students? And a good more than half, like, raised their hands and they're like, all right, so how many of you know what you want to do with your life? And then, like, less than half of that, like, I would say maybe a fifth of the people that raised their hands for being students did. And she's like, that's good on you. But for the rest of you that didn't raise your hand for the second one, take my advice. Drop out. Drop out. <laughs> and she just went on this like speech about like oh it's such a a vast like drainer of money when you know like you haven't figured out what to do. It's better to just hold it, you know? And and just like you know, academia isn't the sole path to success or fulfillment yeah. in life. And I feel like that's a lie that a lot of our generation was told. Yeah, 100%. I totally agree. Like, even with a college degree, I can say that, like, it absolutely is not your, it should not be your sole, like, attribution to success because, you know, it could make you fucking miserable for like all we know if you don't, if that's just not your desire. Like I, a lot of my close, a lot of my closest friends, like, you know, they dropped out, they flunked out, college just was not their thing. And even when it is your thing and you do graduate or like you do, you know, spend a lot of time, it's like, like you said, it is so expensive. You know, and it becomes this back, this background anxiety of like, how long am I going to be paying this off for the rest of my life? Right. It's, it really is debt slavery. Yeah. Um, and if you can't like make the payment 
on time, you're saddled with that debt and you are working to pay that off from yeah. until you pay it off where it's like, I, I've told myself multiple times and I'll, I'll give that advice to anybody that is like, you know, maybe about to graduate high school feeling like they're being pressured to like apply to colleges and stuff like that. If you're not 100% sure of what you want to do and you don't have the money to, you know, do the down payment on these courses. Like if you are not able to out of pocket pay for your course in full, it's don't do it. Yeah. Don't do it. Like you can still uh, contribute valuable things to society without a college education. I mean, most of the music we listen to, most of like the art that is revered to like as being some of the greatest of all time were art school dropouts people that detested academia and went against it yeah yeah a good example um so we mentioned animal collective earlier there's literally a song on the sung tongs album that's less than a minute long and it's called college and the only lyric in that song is you don't have to go to college mm-hmm. <laughs> and um and it's just like when that comes from such a like you know artistically forward thinking band it sort of like you know invigorates in you like wow you know these these greats in music art sound are saying something like something profound about that that is like you know it's indoctrinated in us that it is um akin to like the path to success but it doesn't have to be you know like yeah it really doesn't um uh, i mean like there's no distaste for like intellectuals here Whereas, like, I've always really held strongly to my intellectual, my own intellectual pursuits outside of academia. You know, I, I research things for fun. Yeah. And I, I learn for fun. Like, it's fun to just, like, go down the rabbit hole and, and learn about all these different concepts. And, yeah. And, historical yeah. events and stuff like that yeah but you're learning like, but your learning doesn't a it doesn't have to be capitalized on and b you know it doesn't you know when it when it when it's for a grade it kind of it can almost like desensitize you to the learning experience you know like where it's like you're only learning something for a grade versus like your actual genuine curiosity and comprehension you know like there's just so much like memorization and regurgitation and repetition that it's like you can barely there's something needs to be done about education um like it, it needs to be reformed and stuff like that to like foster more authentic learning experiences that will help nurture some aspect of curiosity 
and um, intellectual pursuit in young people, you know? Whereas like when school is something a kid wakes up to dread going to, something's not right there. Yeah. You know, it, it needs to be something the kid wants to do. Yeah. And have you, you know, have you ever thought about how like that's why we are so? I mean, I like I like the hot weather. Like I do like warm weather, but that's why summer gets so like glorified, you know, and it becomes so just the idea of summer is just so fetishized in culture because it's the time where we're not tied down to our academia and and like you know there's some people that hate summer there's some people that hate like the stickiness and the bugs and you know the intense heat the sunburning whatever it is you know like but you know there's in an otherwise very uncomfortable time for some people is just so like championed because it is your it's your recess from academia you know like I always thought that was I've always thought that was so interesting is that like you know we're re- basically just conditioned to value summer so much because just because we're not in school yeah I mean like <sighs> it's like have you actually like paid attention to like summer it's hot it's muggy it, it's like there's mosquitoes everywhere i find bu- new bites on me every single fucking day you know like there's parts of summer that absolutely suck yeah i mean there's some parts that are less stellar than other seasons but the mosquitoes never bite me i don't know why like I have gotten like one or two, maybe three or four bites this entire time, and I've been outside a lot. Maybe like, you're not allergic to the bites. Maybe that's a. Maybe you have some sort of genetic gift. Maybe, but also like it seems like wasps also like pay attention to like what I'm projecting. I don't know. <laughs> this is getting kind of wild, but like. I was outside today and there was like this this wasp or something or a bee or something. By the way, bees are great. They're much different than wasps for anybody watching that doesn't know. If, yeah. if it's yellow and flies doesn't mean it's bad all the time. Um, but anyway, there was this wasp that was like, or a bee or something. I couldn't really like tell because I was in the moment, like I was doing something else. And there was this bee like going around fixing a land on me somewhere i just told it no and it just flew <laughs> <laughs> i mean maybe that works for mosquitoes too and i just kind of like have that in my aura i don't know <laughs> uh that's that's spectacular hans i <laughs> i um yeah i i get bitten up every year you know i get a lot of mosquito bites i I want to get like I haven't gotten stung by a bee in a long time, but um, but um, I don't know. I kind of have a I kind of have a fear of insects, so like I'm tr- sort of trying to like condition myself to like not be so like emotionally reactive to like, for example, when like I a moth like gets in my room or something. 
like I'm trying to insects like I, I, I just get so like like you know fearful around bugs but a lot of bugs are really fucking good for our environment and for our ecosystem so I'm trying to like you know focus on you know they're they're doing God's work out here. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, no doubt. And, uh, you know, there's some bugs you don't want living with you. And that's, like, that's understandable, you know? But, um, yeah, killing them isn't something, like, I've ever, I've ever, like, really enjoyed doing, you know? I, I try to avoid killing, like, anything yeah much bugs yeah you know um my parents house like when i was a child you know there was a big box elder tree so there were box elder bugs those little black and dark orange ones with the x on their back that would always come into the house and what they would do is die and you would just find them in their in their pose of like putting their legs up and they would be in what the dust bunny is and it's just like i'd rather just have pure dust and dust bunnies than just all these insect carcasses around yeah so it's like whenever i saw them i would try and get rid of them and you know i i looked back at that and i was like i i killed so many box elder bugs ben like i feel so bad about it like yeah i well, I mean, I'm the same way about like spiders. You know, spiders are very good for our ecosystem. They, they do eat a lot of pests. Um, I mean, my parents own a garden center. Like, that was like, you know, the environment I grew up in. So like, my parents always tried to emphasize to me like the bugs that like the insects that were like good that you know we shouldn't that we should put in a glass and like release out outside you know versus the one where it's like oh it's a fucking mosquito like squash it on site you know um because a lot of these bugs specifically bees are under immense threat so save the bees save the bugs these bug these these insects these arachnids are very essential and your fear is not an excuse to eradicate them right yeah yeah i i I try and tell like my friends that whenever there's a bug um (laughs) you know around it's just like no no don't kill them don't kill it like let me take care of it (laughs) yeah yeah Sometimes, sometimes it works and they're like, oh yeah, no, I wasn't going to kill it anyway. Um, you know, and if that's what they were holding, it's just like, bless you. Yeah, there um, you go. So if- let's, um, just for the sake of time, let's get back on track. Let's talk more about uh, after you decided school wasn't for you. Um, how did, uh, the, where did the music take you from there? Oh, so, get this. I stopped playing it completely. Mm. After that, um, I was getting show offers, but I didn't know anybody who 
would like play in the band with me um you know i uh had like a revolving cast and crew around that first project it was pretty like it's it's a solo project mm-hmm. um i wouldn't call it like active anymore um because i've discovered the joy of playing with people and music's always more fun with more people um you know as fits like the uh the function of it um but yeah i stopped playing music completely because i got stressed out people were sending me like and don't get me wrong if i had a chance to do this over i totally would but people were like discovering this like west nile crows page on facebook and then they would listen to the album and something and then would just like and they would like get all up in my inbox and stuff like that and uh say like west nile crows is my favorite band and like you're you're amazing can you send me like an autographed picture of yourself and this was like completely unsolicited and um like i i realize now that that's like especially when they're strangers like I feel like fame is the amount of like strangers that know who you are, but you don't know who they are. Yeah, yeah. Like that amount of people. And like once I realized that I have fame, it's like I didn't know how to react to it at the time. So I kind of froze up. I was like, oh, sure thing. I gotta take a good picture of myself now. <laughs> yeah. I don't take selfies. What do I take it with? I don't have a good camera. I don't have many good pictures of myself as like promo shots. Like I don't know what to do. Like, and so I froze up and did nothing. Yeah. And given like the experiences I've had since then, I would not have reacted in that way. Yeah. Um and uh i mean i feel really bad that person still hasn't gotten their autograph signed picture of me in the mail signed west nile crows fine west uh, nile crows i guess um by the way i like that name because the west nile virus did uh it's the reason why a lot of the birds i like to watch uh stopped appearing on our bird feeders growing up but yeah yeah i mean the west nile virus decimated those birds and blue jays blue jays disappeared for a while wow i only knew about the crows because they were the ones that would turn up dead the most and then i i started wondering like why is it only the crows that we see like what is it about the crows like that they're just like choice picked to get this virus and just be like bam and it's like that seems kind of unfair that it's just the crows you know yeah. um well crows but, and jays are actually in the same family so maybe oh. there's some sort of like genetic similarity to jays and crows with like why they might be so vulnerable to said virus yeah yeah 
Wow, that's that's something I never knew that. Thank you for teaching me that, Ben. Learn something You're new. You're welcome. Day. You're welcome. <laughs> um, but yeah, that that's like how I got the name, and I was just like, I had always sort of been like singled out as an easy target, like throughout my youth, um, in social settings, like with peers and teachers and stuff like that. So I kind of felt like a little downtrodden by like just society. And so I was just like, why is it me? <laughs> like, why? <Yeah. laughs> so that's like where, where that whole like name came from. Uh, but maybe one day that person will get that signed autograph um, picture of me. I would very much like to sign that for them and then put that out in the mail because I don't like struggle with body image issues like I once did or like I was I remember this clearly where I was like okay I'm gonna make myself nice for this this camera and I'm gonna take a really darn good picture of myself and no matter what I took no matter what I changed it never looked good or professional I wanted it to look professional as the thing and that didn't happen like at the time so I was just like eh, and I, I froze up I uh went on a spirit quest journey uh learned a lot about myself a lot about the world and then I eventually started picking it up again like a year later like maybe a half a year later I went a good like six months without really sitting down and like writing something you know yeah. and it just kind of like I realized over that time that I I don't know how anybody who doesn't write songs like gets through yeah. and <laughs> it's just like a function uh, I'll do it it's part of just like eat drink and then oh homeless melody like, oh, this melody, this feels a certain way. Like, oh, yeah, all right, time to go to work. Um, do job, do job, uh, do task at job. Oh, a rhythm will come into my head. All right, continue on with job, and I'll try and, like, hold on to it and let it bounce around. It, it just, like, happens naturally. Um, but, yeah, I, I started coming back, writing songs, and then I realized that I just was not the same person as I was when I was doing West Nile Crows. Um, and it was to the point where it was like a solo project. When it's with a band, there's always those other members that make it the band, but when it's just you and a solo project, and then you've changed completely as a person, then it, it's like, I'm not sure that feel is there for that anymore. So. I kind of just like retired that project. Um, and I have been thinking about it during the pandemic. I get notifications almost every day that like people are checking it out. And uh, so I started writing a new batch of songs and I didn't have really any sort of like context for it. I just started writing a new batch of songs and I told myself like, it's not West Nile Crows. And um, then I 
started going back to church actually um around that time and i had met generatus um through jackson shepherd in high school and we really got along um hung out a couple of times and jammed and then i went to church and she just happened to be in the band there and i was just like whoa is that you and she's like oh my goodness and you know we just started talking again because we'd see each other like every sunday and then she asked me this question and she's like want to start like a dream pop band and i was like yes yes (laughs) i do i do want to start this dream pop band and uh so then we didn't have a name for it or anything and it was very like loosey-goosey kind of like you know we're just doing it like casually because we don't have any like finished songs written for it like yet and it was it was just me and her um and uh we jammed once with just her and i um it was pretty good once that i can remember anyway and uh then i started going out to open mics when i realized that i missed playing live and i met some people through open mics in downtown waukesha there was this place called the roots and um every friday night they had this great open mic that would draw like upwards of 40 people in this little coffee shop like on a, on a good night because there were also Friday night lives going on in Waukesha. I remember the, there was this one night in particular that I got on stage and it was packed from front to back and I was like how many people are here like and I was like all right I'm not gonna count it while I'm here but it ended up being something like 53 people in a small room and um they were there because i think because of uh you know like friday night live and you know there's like live music there is an event going on at this coffee shop so this was like the hub of that waukesha like scene for a while it was a very coffee house kind of vibe um where people would play like acoustic um songs so i started writing like folk songs for it like i started um and then there was this other like place that i would play called kick switch out in okashi is owned by my friend Cade's parents um who i actually met during the spirit quest journey like when i started writing songs again um that like uh so i met Cade in fowler park in Oconomowoc, um, and uh, his friend still thinks I'm a time traveler, and I'm gonna just let him believe that. Uh, I was coming back from the future, um, <laughs> and remembering what hit songs like I I had heard on the radio in the in that future, and then I was writing them in the in the park, and uh, I. Uh, met them hit it off like 
you know, he, he told me, Cade told me that his parents owned a bar. He was a musician too. And they have an open mic every Wednesday. So I started going there, hanging out with him. He's actually now in deep state park. Um, and he plays bass in that as well as another band that I do play with, um, Tacoma, Washington weekday club. Um, and yeah, so I met him during that time. And I started playing, um, I, I started meeting the people, getting like known in the in the Waukesha kind of scene and whatnot. Um, and eventually I met this one guy outside of High Dive that I had seen there before. Um, and we had this we had this mutual friend uh zarian Lattimore, um who has such a beautiful voice she's super talented um and you know like uh i was out at the show i think she was out at the show at high dive and there was this other guy out um at high dive and we like got introduced to each other. I found out his name was Sam. Um, there was this joke that he looked like Morrissey, um, which he hates, by the way. If you ever meet him, please do not compare him with Morrissey, like, at all. He, he really doesn't like it. And, you know, like, I found out he, he played bass. And then, um, it, yeah, we were just like, you want a jam? So I remember there was this one day, it was really nice out, where Sam and I jammed and then we just made a drone and <laughs> we went outside and just laid in the driveway just listening to this deafeningly loud drone and we were talking about all sorts of things and we were like hey you want to like join this band I've been <laughs> kind of thinking about and he was like sure um, so then he got brought into it. Um, there was another friend, uh, Ellie Borkhart, um, that got brought into it too. I met her through the uh, Waukesha open mics. Like she's played with like bands like the Red Flags and uh, had oh, her yeah. own Emerald Phantoms. Now she has this solo project called Rosary. Um, but. I, uh, you know, we all, like, got together with, like, Jenna this one day, and we all, like, played um, together, and it was very nebulous. It was very gaseous um, in, like, the whole structural sense, where it was, like, we were improvising stuff. And the, the lineup, the only part of the lineup that ended up sticking, for no particular reason, like, we all got along, but the only part that ended up sticking was Sam and I, and then we were looking for a drummer, um, wrote up an ad, uh, and posted it some places with these little pull tags and stuff at the Carroll yeah. campus in Waukesha, and uh, we ended up actually, like, I ended up asking my friend Brandon's girlfriend because uh, she had said like oh yeah I've tried drumming now um I uh I just can't stop 
and and I was like, this sounds like the girl for the job. Yeah. <laughs> and, and so I, I asked her at an open mic one night and then Brandon interjected and he was like, I can do it too. Like I actually have a drum kit. Like and I was like, oh, perfect, fine. <laughs> like that's good. Um, and uh, you know, so he joined and we were like, what's our name? gonna be we came up with some names and then eventually sam who's always just been on the cutting edge of music taste like he predicted the blow up of like men i trust and predicted the blow up of claro back when she was just making like flaming hot cheetos on like youtube and stuff she yeah. he was just like claro's got it going on like this is what it is and then sure enough, we're hearing like nationwide coverage of like Claro and boom. And I'm like, Sam, you called that. Sam, you called Men I Trust too. Um, it, which are a great band by, uh, by the way, they're from Canada. Um, make really like smooth bops, nice. real bops. Real and bops, yeah. So uh, we, uh, ended up like playing shows around like I ended up writing a lot of songs for this and I tried to like teach them all but um you know they they said it ended up like feeling like a job after too long um and I was I've always had this idea about music that if you want to be successful with it you have to treat it like work not like some recreational activity. You have to treat it like work. You can have fun doing it, but in order to really like get somewhere with it and, you know, to make the the good good. Yeah, right. The, you got to treat it like work, like the discipline of scheduling practices and then repeating yeah. and rehashing stuff at, at practices to- Separating like, friends from business too. Right, and stuff like that. And friends that are in business and business that isn't friends to, like, branching out. It's a whole social aspect to it. But um, long story short, with that lineup, um, the other two just did not want it feeling like work. Even though to get a, a reward, you always have to do work, you know? Yeah. You were trying to move somewhere not stay static yeah. um and uh you know they just didn't jive with like my work ethic or something like that like i had these really clear ideas anyway they both ended up dropping out and around that time i went to a bandolier bacall show Shout out to Bandelier Bacall. Bandelier Bacall. I love those guys. They're great. Like Adam, yeah. Penny, Tyler, Bender, like the whole lot of them. Are, <laughs> I, yeah. I just really like them. Yeah. And uh, yes. It, so Sam actually introduced me to those guys too. Um, and I was at a Bandelier Bacall show like right before these other guys like dropped out of my band. And I met someone there that would change things for me. Um, I'd seen her around at 
like numerous other shows and i was i always wondered like there's always that curiosity like who is this person like she seems like somebody i need to know like <laughs> i remember thinking that like yeah going to like a show and then seeing her there be like i really want to talk to her for some reason and then you know at this bandolier bacall show i remember like i was there i was jiving i was moving and grooving it was a pretty groovy evening and then she walked in and um stood next to me and i was just like oh shit this this mystery um woman is here and uh she's standing next to me maybe tonight i'll end up talking to her and uh so I went outside for a smoke, right? And then she came out and she actually initiated conversation with me um, so that like, I didn't have to like work up courage to talk to her. But I found out her name was Elise. Um, and uh, that's how I met Elise. And we hit it off, got along pretty well um, at the show and then later like as i was trying to like work things out with peacebone um i saw her post to her instagram story which is funny because this is exactly the same way that ryan found cream vellum or what is now cream vellum is she posted something to her story of her playing french horn or her like with a french horn and uh i was like you play French horn? And she's like, yeah. And I'm like, that's super cool. I haven't known any like French horn players. And, uh, you know, we went on to like talk about music and I said that I have a band and she was like, I have a band too. We're just getting started. We haven't settled on a name yet. And um, I was like, oh, cool. Maybe we'll play some shows sometime. Little did I know. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, Peacebone fell apart and almost like clockwork. I kid you not. Like it happened within 24 hours yeah. where <clears throat> Brandon officially left Peacebone and uh, Sam was gone by that point. Uh, we played just one show, like just the two of us. And, um, you know, uh, after that, it was kind of like, mm. yeah. Uh, and then within 24 hours of just like I guess I have to find all new bandmates she hits me up on on Instagram and is like hey do you or anybody else you know plays bass do they play bass um and I was like yeah I play bass and then we started setting up practice and that's how I got into uh cream volume right there um is playing bass I eventually switched to guitar after like lineup change to um and you know we just went from there it was like it was different than anything like i had experienced up until that point because i'm not sure what it was about it like i just got this feeling like it was so tangible it was so real yeah. and and it didn't feel like i was um like all five tent poles holding up a big big top you know yeah yeah, yeah. It, to analogize it or to make an analogy um where it was like oh 
we're actually working. We're going hard. Like I was working at a factory in that time. So it was like, I was making $14 an hour at this um, conveyor part factory out in Exonia. It was like this awful commute at like, I had to be there at eight or by eight um, in the morning out in Exonia from Waukesha. Oh, wow. That's pretty far, isn't it? it? It was a good half hour drive. And then I would work nine hours there. Um, and then after that, you know, if there was practice on, I would drive all the way from Exonia, pick up my stuff in, in Waukesha, and then go down to the east side to practice with the band. We practiced for like four hours every day, pretty much every day for like an entire summer. <laughs> and yeah. it was, um, like there were some days we did miss and some days that certain members can show up, but it's like most of the days, I think during that summer of 18, it was like, we practiced, we went really hard during that in our old guitarist sweltering attic, which was like 90 something degrees unventilated small space. And we would just go super hard and like, we'd hang out into the night then um and yeah we played some really nice shows during that time um it was you guys like, played um you played breaking and entering's show before i was actually even a writer for breaking and entering which was pretty cool oh yeah tonic tavern yeah yeah by yeah. the way tonic tavern has the best karaoke once covid's all over yeah <laughs> i've heard great things about it Oh yeah, it's pretty good. Um, I, I like to go there. My friend Leo bartends, and the whole staff is super nice, um, really? from my experience. And you know, it, it's a fun place to go on a Tuesday night. I'll, I'll just totally. say that. But yeah. um, yeah, we played that one, and uh, then Elias moved to North Dakota for grad school, and we were wondering if the band was gonna stay together. And I was just like, I mean, it was probably both of us and or all three of us at that point because our guitar player had left. So it was just her, me and Tyler. And um, after the guitarist left, you know, we just decided that we'd keep going without him. And at the end of the summer, there was there. And then, you know, because um, Elise and I, been like friends like outside of the band too so during that like time um you know we were hanging out and that's like when I uh, met Hannah too and you know the the band was super active so the band would like find its way into everything it was like all-encompassing and uh I I love that honestly um but uh yeah she moved away and I was like, I'm, we're going to keep in contact, you know, and do this. So then we did. Um, we, she started writing new songs that were pretty good. And they were, they were really good. And I really uh, had the time not having like a set, like super packed show schedule. 
um, to learn this stuff. And it's more musically complex with different time signatures, wonky chords. And I had to figure out like all these strange chords that, you know, I had never had to like really work with before or time signatures too. And it was just like, it made me feel so alive. And um, so we, we started working on a new batch of songs um, and Ryan eventually got brought in after we played a couple shows um, with Tyler, Elise and I like as a trio and that was pretty, pretty fun. Um, although having a bass like I found a way how to like cope with it where <laughs> I would like run a stereo channel into like a bass amp and just like try and make up for that low end through like a really intense guitar setup um, which had so many moving parts in it it was just like incredible to like try and keep track of everything but um yeah so then ryan joined like right as we were about to go in the studio to perform or to perform this for microphones now in a studio and then i was like i was really looking forward to it and then i was, i remember being a little bit skeptical about like having somebody new come into the band at this time like yeah. i already know how to play all the songs on guitar and bass and you know like we can just wing it in the studio and then elise was like no like ryan ryan will be so good like i remember she was really about she she uh convinced me that it was a good idea and so i was like all right let's do it so we brought him in and then the first practice it was like you know there was definitely a connection there with him and uh he started picking up the songs really quickly and um you know he just has this sense like this this good sense like a good ear on that one for sure yeah. and um we played a, a show at Lenneman's with duckling and yum yum called um just like two days later like a day or two later and it was fine like this is his first show with us and he just literally joined the band and first heard these songs like two days ago and he was great <laughs> yeah yeah That's... um go ahead oh and and on top of that we were working on our most like a complex song today um too and we were just like working that out uh for tyler elise and i and we were trying to get it ready in time to be played at this lineman's um show so uh, ryan wrote his own bass line like i was stumped too like i had tried previously to write a bass line for that and i did not succeed at it but ryan knew exactly what to play um and it really like added something. So we were in the studio this whole time. And then the uh, shout out Amy of the Grove. Um, the best. Amy is the best. Yeah, Amy. 
Um, yeah, that was a lot of fun um, in that studio. Uh, and then we had Dante uh, um, master it and we went into production mode for it. Ethan Kastner designed the cat on the, the cover and pretty much um, next thing you know, we're like booking a tour through the Midwest um, for the spring break and uh, we're ready to drop the EP. We scheduled the first show on the tour um, to be the release show. We tour in support of it. Um, and then enter Ben Slowey. Yes, and then I, <laughs> I met you guys. Um, yeah. And might I say, I still listen to those some of those songs on that EP to this day. Like, I still revisit that EP. It's a uh, it's a really beautiful, like shimmering and uh, just like gorgeously twinkled EP of like shoegaze and dream pop. Like Naivety is still one of my favorite songs from like one, like one, I want to say like one of my favorite songs like of all time. And then Glass on Glass, Dashing Boy, like, those songs are so fucking good, too. Like, I just, like, I'm still mesmerized by that EP to this day. And I really, I'm, I'm just so, like, enthralled with, like, what Cream Bellum has going on next. Because I fell in love with the first release. Like, well, that's really nice to hear from you, Ben. Like, thank you. <laughs> Um, yeah, I mean, like, I kept writing as, like, this quarantine has gone on. Before quarantine, I, I was working on, like, a few songs. We have a few unreleased ones, too. I'm going to try and keep it as raps as possible, but let me just say we're not done. Um, Good. Yeah, we're, we're still going. Um, Good. We, we just haven't been as active recently due to like all of whatever um we yeah. decided like after last summer that we needed to just take a break for a while and focus on other things um and you know so peace bone reformed actually yeah so <laughs> that leads us to again <laughs> yeah so that leads us to your other project deep state park the form from the ashes of peace bone will be uh yeah the the final chapter of uh this journey here let's uh take it away hans tell us about deep state park eventually um sam came back and so did brandon and then brandon brought up hey we should reform peace bone and that's something that hadn't really crossed my mind i was like ha 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 and then I, I thought about it and I was like, what if he was serious? And so <laughs> I messaged him and I was like, are you serious? And uh, cause I had been like hanging out with Sam again a little bit and uh, he was like, yeah, let's do it. And I'm just like, oh, all right, um, <laughs> let's, uh, let's do it. Let's get Sam and everything and, and let's go at it again. And I was um, really happy to be doing that with those guys again because I thought it was just done forever but it came back and um 
there was some new songs that I, I started working on too with that once uh, we got playing. We played one show as the original lineup where we christened in the new name and no need to go through all of them now because there have been a lot of names <laughs> for this project, yeah. but they are the same project um, or band um, just like through different names, different people in it. Like there was one show with Peacebone where it was me and my entire backing band was Bandelier Bacall. Mm. And and you know, like the other guys from from Bandelier filled in and this was after everybody left. Like we were playing a show in like South Milwaukee or something, and uh they were like, Yeah, we'll learn the song. So we had one practice and those guys are brilliant improvisers, so um you know, they filled in, and then between sets, the only thing that would change is me gone, Adam comes in, and, uh, yeah, it was, it was, that was a good one, that's gonna stick with me for a while, but, um, basically, they both ended up leaving again after that show, um, a little farther removed this time, like, um, Sam just, stop showing up to practice without a word like we had practice scheduled blew it off completely i don't know what it is um but you know i still think fondly of him like i have him to thank for a, a great many things um that i have and uh yeah so my friend logan who also has his own band Tacoma Washington Weekday Club. Logan Blatt Provat. Logan Blatt Provat. Shout out. Um, <laughs> yes, big one. Yeah. Logan's been a very good friend to me. Um, and, uh, you know, we were talking. I had joined, like, Tacoma, I think. Uh, I had joined Tacoma before, like, the first time that. Um, Elise moved away to go to North Dakota. I had joined Tacoma, Washington as kind of like, all right, I need something to do. This band has is like popping off a little bit. Like, you know, they're creative. They actually write songs and they're people that I get along really well with. Yeah. Um, so I, I joined them and they were gearing up for this Christmas show. And there were so many songs that I hadn't learned and then we were writing naivety. We were in the process of writing naivety. And I just got so stressed out because there were like in the double digits levels of songs or numbers of songs to learn for this show that was coming up and it was gonna crunch it with the liniments and recording dates and stuff like that. I was like, guys, I can't do this. Like <laughs> this, all of this at once. Um, and so I, I chose to like, leave the band although maybe the others remember it differently all i knew is i made up my mind to like leave at that point i didn't know i'd be coming back to them but it was like um it you know they just like remained my really good friends um yeah and you know went back into that whole cycle so logan was in a in like a a period of Tacoma where he wasn't, you know, they weren't like as active as they once were or are now. 
Um, and then in that period of time, he he was like, yeah, I'll, I'll join. Um, and so he joined and he came in with this newfound enthusiasm. And I know him. He is a very driven individual, very passionate. And that's exactly what the project needs is more than one person agreeing <laughs> on on that. And uh, like, you know, the work ethic, always got to do something with it. Like, even if it's not fun all the time, usually your hard work pays off in the long run. And, uh, and uh, you know, even if it's stressful at certain points, like you just keep going. Like Winston Churchill once said to, uh, to quote, is if you're going through hell keep going so if things are bad now just keep going through it like you don't want it to end in the bad part do you right. <laughs> um gotta right. lead into it you gotta lead yeah, into you, you gotta keep going and push through it so basically he joined and then brandon was like yeah he felt a different calling he's doing a construction business now um so he left again and i was like oh great and then Logan is a drummer. He's been drumming for a long time. So he's like, I'll just switch over to drums. And I'm like, cool, we've done this band as a two-piece before. And um, we can do it again. And uh, I have some like people I'm scoping out for bass. And then he suggests Cade, Cade, Cade. And uh, then eventually I was just like, now let me pick the person. Let me pick the person. Like I, I was really like focused on doing it like my own way. And then I realized that, you know what? I'm not like that hot, you know? <laughs> I'm not hot enough where I get to like choose, pick and choose everything, you know? Yeah. Where it's just like, um, it's not like that and so i just relaxed like i know kate is an excellent musician i knew that but i was maybe a little skeptical for the style of music we were playing um but ended up saying like all right like kate's a good friend of mine like let's but i've never actually played music with him before actually and then i realized that and i was just like why don't we why don't we invite him over and so we did, and it was one of the best decisions I've ever made. Um, he, you know, demonstrated himself as being very patient and attentive and very, like, um, driven. And him and Logan actually met at, at the uh, show where Peacebone changed their name the first time. Um, and then they, within, like, a month or two, they were both in the band they were watching on stage um and uh yeah and we've just been going there like the energy both of those guys bring to the project is like this is the way it was supposed to be all along i think you know now that these people are very driven and whatnot we have like at least an album and like two eps worth of material written for that one that's a lot <laughs> Hans, that's a lot of music. <laughs> what can I say? <laughs> that is a lot of music, yeah. Um, yeah, none of which has been, like, really professionally recorded. Um, I I'm trying to get into, like, a, a very, like, industry-level studio for that because I, I want to 
honor these songs and like um make sure they get the best treatment possible um with that um the workshop you know would have probably been my first choice but they kind of shut down i'm waiting to like or well not waiting screw waiting but um uh i'm i'm basically like looking or seeking like the resources and like the the venue or something to record that i would like gladly diy that but let's be honest here with diy recording you don't get industry loudness it's all very quiet and there are people who go to school for production like if you have a person where all they do is this one task like production like they can do other things on the side but like their main focus like they're very focused on producing 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 that we're not much else like is occupying their time they get paid to do it um they maybe write songs and stuff like that and they just know what sounds good you know, if you have access to people like that, like professional producers, and, you know, come to think of it, I've actually not met, a, like, a, a bigwig, like, producer yet, but I'm wondering how they would be, because I'm pretty sure that description is not accurate, <laughs> but... Yeah um yeah like if you can have access to somebody who does this for a living like that's just a no-brainer that's the way to go like sure you save more money by doing it in your own basement but like you sacrifice quality and you know yeah um that's at least my opinion on it like diy yeah. had a certain nostalgia for me because that's kind of like how things have been but i don't think it's the end-all be-all like oh. DIY out of necessity is basically like if if nobody else is gonna do this for you, do it yourself. But first, look for people that might like do this for you. I don't know. Uh, I'm not like a DIY guy. Like I have done things myself, and I have like a, an ethic that way where like you know you you can. Uh, uh, do what you can yeah. until you can do better and then do better. And sometimes doing better is delegating your duties and tasks to other people who are focused in on that one thing. So you don't have to handle everything at once. So. Yeah. yeah that makes sense. Um, yeah. I, I would probably, I mean, I would agree with that sentiment, you know, DIY is often for, you know, like there's a strong presence of that in River West here, you know, like the DIY recordings and um, the DIY like sort of aesthetic um, in terms of shows, in terms of the scene, in terms of, you know, it's just like who uh, who or what you're appealing to. But, but sadly, uh, Hans, we've just been going for so long. Um, uh, we're we're about out of time here <laughs> um yeah but dude it was so good to like really talk about all this stuff i mean like you are such a like creative yet eccentric individual 
and I just really, you know, admire like how, you know, you, uh, how you work on music, how music has always been just such a like, it's been weaved into like your character as a person. You know, you said that it's not just like used as a coping mechanism, but it's just like part of your instinct. And uh, that's, that's a really truthful thing there. And I really, I, I look forward to hearing, you know, in the various projects you're involved in, Deep State Park, Cream Bellum, Tacoma Washington Weekly Club, like just hearing what you guys, you know, muster up. And yeah, I'm, I'm just like, I'm really, really happy about what you're doing here. And uh, it was great. It's been great hearing your story, man. Um, so as we close out, Hans, um, the closing questions. First, what keeps you up at night? Oof. Uh, not wanting to go to sleep. <laughs> it's literally like some people lose sleep over worry. For me, it's like I just want to experience more waking life. That's good. That's that's valid as fuck. Um, what uh, what puts you to sleep? Ooh, that's a good one. I still haven't found a, a like one solid answer for that um because it's like plans the next day doesn't do it usually aids in my insomnia um cbd can somewhat like help me get drowsy but i can usually like keep going and like not enough to put me to sleep what really puts me to sleep is staying up for two days <laughs> And then finally getting access to a couch uh, where I can just climb. <laughs> and I usually fall asleep within five minutes of closing my eyes. You're, you're not picky with your sleeping space? Oh, no, not at all. Um, I have slept on floors. I've slept in the back of my van. I've slept on a futon. I'm sleeping on a futon right now. Um, I've slept on couches, I've slept in grass, I've slept all sorts of, <laughs> all sorts of places. Man, well, that's a, that's a, that's an art form, so good for you. Um, well, Hans, thanks for being on the show. Thanks for sharing your story. I'm excited to play back and hear all of it once again. I'm editing this. Um, and, uh. For all of you listening, thanks for watching Mr. Nice Guy. Uh, be sure to check out Cream Vellum's EP Venus. Uh, we look forward to seeing what the Sunshine Pop Band, Deep State Park, as well as experimental alternative rock band to come Washington Weekday Club has in store. Um, yes, thank you for watching Mr. Nice Guy. We'll see you next time.